Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Wednesday night. United, we are uh, going to get into some good things from the Word of God. Again, we're so glad that you've joined us tonight uh, for the service as we get into some more things concerning this subject of being led by peace. And of course, uh, we ministered uh, along these lines this past Sunday morning. I hope all of you enjoyed your Sunday evening off after a long week of faith explosion. Uh, I did want to give you a uh, an updated total on the night of giving. On the night of giving, right there in the sanctuary, of course, if you'll remember, uh, it came to $15,556, I believe it was, so uh, right around uh, that number, but after all of the uh, the text give was totaled, all of the online giving, uh, it came to a little over $17,000 that was given on that night. So uh, the Lord's good, and uh, we'll be believing God uh, for next year as well. Uh, but we want to get into being led by peace uh, this evening, Galatians chapter 5. And uh, as you're going there, uh, a good friend of mine was ministering in Fredonia, New York, not too long ago, Pastor Scott Webb, and he made this statement, and he said uh, the Lord had dropped this in his spirit, and it was something that I believe was for the whole body of Christ, and he made this statement. He said the Lord said, the Lord had told him to say to that church that he was in, but he felt it was for just every believer, and it was this, nothing is too good for you, and only the best is good enough. Nothing is too good for you, and only the best is good enough. And so we're in this year, uh, 2023, uh, you know, we're, we're moving into uh, October. Next week it'll be October, but uh, we still have a few months left, and there are things that God has promised us and God has said and, uh, of course, we're seeing a lot of this in the church and in your life and my life come to pass. But uh, my wife and I have particularly been standing on something that uh, Brother Jerry Savell said, and he said it would be the year of the maximum, the year of the highest and God's highest and best. And so remember then that nothing is too good for you and only the best is good enough. Uh, amen. Now, Galatians chapter 5, remember that peace in the life and the home of the believer is one of the greatest evidences or one of the highest evidences of the presence of God in that life. Peace in the life and the home of the believer is one of the highest evidences of the presence of God in that person's life. Galatians 5 and 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is and then it says, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so we've made these statements, but it's important that we recap them regularly, that these are the fruit of the reborn human spirit. They're not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They don't belong to the Holy Spirit. They belong to us. They are fruit that were given to us at the time of our salvation. They're part of our redemptive package. Uh, and I've used the illustration that the Bible says that there are the gifts of the Spirit, which are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They operate as He wills, but these are the fruit of the reborn human spirit, and they operate as I will. All right, I choose to operate in them. Uh, each of these fruit anchor us to a different aspect or a different part of the character of the Father and Jesus. And this is something that the Lord's really emphasizing to me about how these fruit are character traits of the Father and Jesus. And the more that I develop 
the character of the Father, the more that I develop the character of Christ in my life, then the more victory I'm going to walk in, the more ability that I'm going to walk in, because I'm developing His character. All right? Uh, much emphasis at times is placed on receiving the things that God wants His people to receive, but little emphasis at times is placed on developing the character. All right, if you don't develop the character that's, that's, uh, that's needful, all right, to support what you're asking for, all right, be- because my character has to be developed so that I can receive and, 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 and if, for lack of a better term, handle the things that I'm asking God to bring into my life. The, the character has to be developed. And um, these fruit operate as a whole. They're a unity. They're, they're, they operate as a whole, meaning each fruit complements and influences the other. Where, where there's love, there's joy. Where there is joy, there will be peace. All right, they, they complement and influence the other one. Now, we're finding that at the core of these fruit is peace. As we walk in love, we'll have peace. As we walk in long-suffering, we're going to have peace. And we're learning and gathering that peace is a force. All right, peace is a weapon. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God in that trouble. All right, because because uh, some people believe the greatest thing that could be is that there's no trouble ever, any trouble. But Jesus said that wouldn't happen. He said, "In me, all right, in the world." He said, "In the world you'll have tribulation." All right. He said, "These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation." We talked about this at length last Sunday. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation, you'll have trouble, you'll have pressure, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So the the peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God and the promise of God in the midst of that trouble, right? Because Jesus said, in the world, now think about this, this is so important, to re- I got to recap this for a moment, we talked about this last week, he said, in the world you'll have tribulation, all right, but do you remember in John 17, twice, Jesus said, Father, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world, the only thing that exerts any authority over me is what I'm of. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. But 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, I am of God in Christ. So this is important, all right? Because I, d- I don't want to look at peace as something it's not. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God, the victory of God, the working of the Word of God in the trouble. Oh, Hallelujah. If, if there's one thing I could help people with, ministers, uh, young Christians, Christians that are growing up, ministers that are starting out, is learning to overcome trouble. Because if, if you learn to overcome trouble with the peace of God and the Word of God, that you're unstoppable. You can't, little things can't sidetrack you because you've learned to find that place of peace. And you've learned to operate in that place of peace. It's so important. Amen. And so the result of operating these fruit is peace. Peace is a weapon. Hallelujah. The the enemy has little or no effect on a person who will stay at peace. Because just like all of the other fruit work together, all of the the enemy's tactics, they have to work from a place of being agitated. They have to work from a place of agitation. 
get you frustrated, get you worried, get you fearful, which is the opposite of love, joy, and peace. But if, if the enemy can't get me agitated or frustrated or fearful or aggravated, there's nothing he can do. What's the answer to a frustration, agitation, fearfulness, peace? I'm at peace. That's, that's what Paul talked about when he said uh, 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 to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4, he said, listen, he said, I'm grateful for what you've sent me. He said, not because I'm talking about my need. He said, I'm not. He said, because I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. In, in other words, contentment is born of peace. And I'm not worried about what I don't have at the moment not concerned about that. That's not going to take my joy. It's not going to take my peace. I'm content. Why am I content? Because I know that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I am fully supplied, completely filled, rich, rich, rich. I'm content. And you can only be content when you're at peace. So important. Well, what's anyone want to get you to do? Get you frustrated over a problem, get you worried, get you fearful, right? And what's he after? Your peace. Your peace. Your peace. Your peace. What's the, what's the enemy of your peace? What you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel. That's also one of the biggest enemies of faith is sight. What I can see, what I can feel, what I can put my hands on, what I can lay my eyes on, what I can feel. Well, that's all trying to rob your peace. And, and while that sounds elementary, understand that when your peace starts slipping away, your faith is slipping away. Because faith operates best in an environment of peace, not in an environment that has no trouble in an environment of peace. Faith is of the heart. Faith operates best in a heart that is at rest. Because the Bible says in, in, in Luke, a troubled heart is an unbelieving heart. Mm, hallelujah. This peace is to lead. All right, peace has to take the lead. Isaiah 55, 12 says that you'll go out with joy and be led forth by peace. You'll go out with joy and be led forth by peace. So what's that telling us? Be led by peace. I wrote this in my Bible. If there is no peace, it's not right and it's not for you. If there is no peace, it's not right and it's not for you. And understand, that that peace... Uh, uh, remember, that peace is, is uh, a word that means this, this contentment, this solidity, all right? If there's no peace, it's not for you, all right? Because peace is the protectant, oh glory. The result of operating in any of these fruit will be peace because they all feed and empower peace. Each one of these feed and empower peace. Just as determining to be at peace feeds and empowers the other. When I determine to walk in love, I'm feeding peace. When I'm determined to walk in joy, I'm feeding peace. When I'm determined to walk in long-suffering, I'm feeding peace. Conversely, when I'm determined to be at peace, I'm feeding long-suffering. I'm feeding joy. I'm feeding love. I'm feeding these different ones. Amen. And, and peace is the highest evidence, one of them, of the presence of God in that life. Oh, hallelujah. This is important. Listen, here's, here's what happens. I'll say that, Lord. Someone will go to the doctor and they'll get a report that's negative. And it robs their peace and it accelerates the problem they have. 
when, when you get a bad report and you're in faith about it and you stay at, pay, at faith about it, it will slow down the progress of whatever report you got. But when you get anxious about it, when you get worried about it, it accelerates it. Because faith is a deterrent and worry is an accelerant. What you stay in faith about slows down. What you stay worried about speeds up. So what's right there in the middle? I get a bad report. I answer it in faith. Now I've answered it in faith. I've answered it in faith. Faith is based on the Word of God. If I've answered it in faith and I'm standing on the Word, what's the result? Peace. These things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. Mm. See, I'm speaking things unto you so that you might have peace. You might go to the doctor and get a bad report. You might get a bad report about a family member. You might get a bad report financially. Your job is to answer it with the Word of God, stay in faith, and operate your peace. That's, that's the thing. I'm, I'm telling you, you, will, you won't be sick if you don't fear it. If, if you fear sickness, sickness lives with you. If you worry about sickness, sickness will live with you. Because worry and fear attract the thing you're worried and, fear, and fearful about. Faith attracts the promises of God and dispels the thing that's trying to overcome you. And you're, you're at peace. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. I, I was dealing with a situation not too long ago. And uh, I, I've dealt with this over the years. And somebody will come to you and they'll say, look, Oh, the doctors have said I need to go in for a test or they saw something on an x-ray or they saw something on this scan or whatever and they want to send me to have this done. And I've had people come and say, oh, pastor, and I, I, I just want you to pray with me because, you know, I hope it's not this. And, and, and you know, I mean, uh, this runs in my family or whatever the case may be. And they're saying it might be this. And the focus is all on what runs in the family, what it could be, what the doctor is saying. Well, right there, listen to me, right there there there's no peace and if there's no peace there's no faith because faith is being convinced that something's true now hear me if you're convinced that you're healed how could you be at a lack of peace about not being healed if you're convinced you're healed There are people that know what the Word says about healing, but they're not convinced they're healed. Knowing what the Word says, and I've had people come up to me worried, saying, well, I know what the Word says. That's the problem. You know what the Word says, but you don't believe what the Word said. Knowing and believing are two different things. You, You can know me and not believe in me. Because you just know me. But if you really come to know me, you can't help but believe in me. Glory to God. That's a good place to nudge your neighbor and say, I believe God. This is so important. Why? Because he said, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. You might have peace. And then I've had people come and say, you know, uh, the doctor said I need to go to the 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 uh, to go to another uh, a specialist, or I, I need to go have another scan. And then they'll look at me and say, but you know what I'm expecting? I'm expecting that it's going to be nothing. I'm expecting that it's going to be no problem. You know what? That person generally ninety nine times, and, and I just say that uh, for the sake of maybe I'm I'm making an error somewhere. Ninety nine. Times out of a hundred times, that person comes back to me and says, it was nothing. But what do you, listen to me, what, what begins to happen when you start saying, well, I got this pain in my body, I hope it's not this. 
Can you take me to that? I hope it's not this scripture. What scripture is that? Thus saith the Lord, when problems come upon you, say, I hope it's not this. I'm not so much preaching on faith tonight, but, but I need you to see this. We're, we're dealing with the issue of, of peace, and the reason why some people's faith doesn't work is they're not believing, and they never get into a place of peace. What did Jesus say about the mountain, and what's the mountain represent? Your obstacle, your problem. What did he say to do to that ob- obstacle, that problem? He said, what are, you do, what are you supposed to do? Speak to it. Is that right or wrong? Speak to it. So, so you get a report that's coming after your peace. What do you do? You speak to it. No, you don't say, I, I don't believe that. No, that isn't right. You speak to it. You say, I speak to this subject of this report, and I tell you to be powerless against me. I speak health to my body. I tell you that I'm healed. I'm a cancer-free zone. I'm a, I'm a sickness-free zone in the name of Jesus. It's not, you're not just answering with the word, although that's right, and we need to teach that. What you're doing is you're attracting the promise of God into your life, and you're making yourself be at peace. Hallelujah. I, we, we've got to get fed up with sick days. We've got to get fed up with sick days. And that, that's something I've been pressing into, sick days. Just, I don't have any more days to lose to sickness. You don't have any more days to lose to bodily problems. And, and, and they may come, but they need to go. They, they need to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they each, each of these fruit feed and empower peace. Just, just as, as being determining to be at peace feeds and empowers the others. Now, he says here in Galatians 5.22, uh, through the Spirit's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, gentleness, goodness. Uh, Wednesday before last, we talked about long-suffering. Uh, Sunday, we talked about gentleness. Uh, tonight, we want to look at this word goodness. All right? Now, this is important because the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit lists goodness here, and this word has a special reference to generosity. Generosity. And when you look through the Bible, through the New Testament, it's used in reference of born-again people, all right? Goodness. Let's, let's go to a few verses. Romans 15. Verse 14. This is, this is the importance of peace. If, if the enemy can't get you out of the lane of peace... There's nothing he can do about anything. Nothing. Because you're at peace with what you've done, with what you're believing, because you're convinced that it's what the Word of God said. Hallelujah. It says in Romans 15, 14, notice, and I myself am also persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are, notice, full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able to admonish one another. I right, so notice you're filled with generosity towards each other. E- Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 8, where you were sometimes darkness, now are you light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness 
and truth. The fruit of the Spirit, in other words, is found in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So there again, we have this goodness with this understanding of generosity. And Paul says that part of walking as children of light is walking in this generosity, walking in goodness. In Second uh, Thessalonians 1 and verse 11, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So notice this. He says, we pray that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure. And the King James says, of his goodness. Well, according to Scripture, we can see here, goodness is supposed to be a major part of the believer's character, generosity. So there, there is, in reality, no such thing as a stingy, selfish believer. Or shouldn't be. Because notice Paul says here in verse 12 that he wants you to operate in goodness or generosity that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified in us. And Paul here, the King James states and uses the phrase, his goodness, the, the good pleasure of his goodness, that his, the word his, was added at the discretion of the translators. This, this is important because of, of, of what it is grammatically, what the word is grammatically. All right, it's something they interject, all right? But notice, it was originally that you fulfill all the pleasure of goodness, which means, it means this. This can be a subjective meaning, which is desire characterized by goodness or a good desire. It can also be an objective meaning, it can be an objective meaning desire after goodness or to be good and to do good. Well, either way is, is wonderful. This fruit operating in the life of the believer will result in a desire to demonstrate goodness either through act or desire. I'm going to act in generosity or I'm going to desire generosity. Not generosity to me, desire to be generous. I'm going to act generous, or I'm going to desire to be generous. Hallelujah. This word goodness was used to describe a person who's generous, big-hearted, charitable with their finances. Look, look at Acts chapter 10. We're developing these character traits. Because sometimes what I see in, in people's lives is they give when there's a need or they give when they want something, but how many of them give just to be generous, just to be good, just to have goodness flowing in their life? See, that's part of the character of Christ because that's how he was. That's how God was. God was generous in his love toward us when we didn't deserve it. I'm amazed at how we hold people to standards God didn't hold us to when it comes to being generous and kind and loving. Now, I realize there's a standard of living and, and holiness and all these things. I understand that. But think about this. The Bible says in the book of Romans that God proved his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. He was generous with Jesus when we were still in sin. One translation says, when we were no, of no use to him at all. Hallelujah. 
And so, and so I, I need to be generous. I need to be good. I need to be, I need to be generous towards people. Now, now you, you understand, I realize there are boundaries, but understand what I mean by this is I, I need to gen- demonstrate a generosity towards people because that's what believers do. I'm, I'm going to show you this from the Word of God in, just in, in two verses in just a moment. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now notice, it says, who went about, first of all, doing good, comma, and healing. Now generally what is focused on in these verses is the healing ministry of Jesus, and that's absolutely right and correct. But it also states that Jesus went about doing good. He went about doing good. The, the words doing good come from a Greek word that denoted a, a, a benefactor or a, a, a philanthropist or one who financially supported charitable works. So the word would have only been used to describe a person who had great substance financially and used it to assist people who needed help. That's the only person that this word would have been attached to. And and we see that in the ministry of Jesus. It's, it's, It's inferred that Jesus gave to the poor, that he blessed others. And by and by this word, he went about doing good. The what the word means, we see that that was part of Jesus' character, that he was generous that he was giving. We would call this person a giver. Hallelujah. And you know what givers do? They give. Generous people are generous people. Hallelujah. And and when they give, they don't give with strings attached. They don't don't give with, uh, 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 you know, anything connected to it. It's just, I want to bless you. I want to do this for you. I just want to be generous. Or whatever the case may be. I mean, you can boil generosity down, uh, you know, to, to, to any number of things. How you help your neighbor. Uh, you know, how you deal with people in the grocery store. You know, if you're generous. Generous with your time. Uh, generous with your attitude. Generous with your money. And, and usually if you're generous with one, you'll be generous with the others. But the thing that, that I want you to see is this is part of those, those, those fruit that make up the character of God and make up the character of Christ, and that should make up the character of the believer. There should be no stingy believers. There should be no selfish believers. Why? Because we're called to be generous. Not foolish, generous. We're called to be generous. Oh, hallelujah. Now, in order to be generous, you have to be at peace. Have to be at peace. Because you, you, you've got to be at peace to lead a life of generosity. And, and I've seen that over the years. And, and what have you come to, the, come to peace about? There's nothing the Bible says that I can do good for a person that God won't repay. Remember the scripture in the Bible, the book of Proverbs? It says, he that has pity on the poor, the Lord will repay him. That that he's given, the Lord will repay him. Well, see, that brings peace. That brings peace. To be generous. I, I never ask the question, when an opportunity to come up to be, comes up to be generous, I don't know for how many years, but for years upon years upon years, I've not asked the question anymore about what it's going to cost me. My focus is on how can I help them. Hallelujah. And if if I can talk to my wife about it, if she's there, or if not, I'll call her, or if she's there, we'll talk about it. And somebody will have a need, and I'll go to her, and I'll say, you know, I think we can take care of that. 
And because she's very generous too, she'll say, yes, make that happen. Make that happen. But here's, here's where the generosity continues, is we don't think about how's it going to come back to us. We know how it's going to come back to us. We're at peace. But here's the thing. We're not doing it to get something back. We're doing it to be generous. You don't ever want to get involved in somebody's need because of what you think you're going to get back. You want to get involved in that need because you're generous. Now, I understand if, if there's a church uh, 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 that has a believing for a building and you're believing for a building, I understand that you want to be generous to them and you're planting the seed and you're believing that it's going to come back on you. We've done that and we're believing for a harvest on that seed. But what I want you to see, when you're helping people, when you're sowing into their life, you know that there's going to be a return because of what the Bible says. But you also are doing it Without, without thinking about the return, you're just doing it to be generous. That's where a lot of people miss it financially, is, is they want to give and have God be generous with them, but they don't want to be generous with other people. Oh, hallelujah. And, and, it's, and it's led to believe that some people are just generous, some people are just givers, and some people aren't. It's, it's a character trait of the believer. Generosity should imprint our spirit. It should be what we do, is to be generous. And I'll show you in just a minute. That's with our family. That's with the church. That, that's with our enemies, according to Scripture. Now, Galatians chapter 6. And verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them that are of the household of faith. Now, the Greek word for good used here is the word goodness, and it means good Same, same, same word, the word goodness comes from in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. It means good in any sense. It means benefit or well. So notice how often that we're to display this fruit of goodness as we have the opportunity. The New Living Bible says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity. Uh, the Bible in basic English says, so then, as we have the chance. So we're to display this fruit, notice, to all men. And then he says, especially to them that are of the household of faith. So I'm generous to everybody, but I'm especially generous to believers important because these fruit are showing to everybody hallelujah now you might be again you might be generous in your time but the 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 context here is financial generosity being kind to people being generous to them hallelujah this is important because the Bible says uh, that as believers, we bear one another's burdens. Generous people bear one another's burdens. Hallelujah. I remember when Pastor Michelle and I uh, hadn't been married very long, and of course we, we had uh, went through uh, the, the, the ordeal, the circumstance of, of uh, our, our first child going to heaven. And uh, so we were dealing with that and dealing with the, the, the distress of that and, and these different things. And, uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't so much thinking about 
you know, going grocery shopping. We weren't thinking about whatever. Uh, we were just trying to heal. We were trying to heal. And uh, our, our older kids were staying with their grandmother. And it was just the two of us. And, and uh, I remember one day the apartment that we lived in there in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And there came a knock on the door. And uh, I opened the door, and it was Brother James Allen and his wife, uh, Dauphine Allen. And uh, uh, they had a, a couple other people with them. Uh, they were people that were very instrumental in Pastor Michelle's walk with the Lord early on and helped her get back into the church. And, and uh, they came in, and they came in with grocery bags full of groceries, and, and they came in with, you know, supplies and, and things and just loaded the counter down and, you know, just shook my hand. And, and he hugged me, told me how much he loved me. And, and they talked to Michelle and hugged her and loved on her. Hallelujah. Well, they, they didn't have to do that. I mean, that, you know, I had a job. I was working. They didn't have to do that, but they, they, they were generous, right? They were generous with their resources. Now, there were other people that could have cared less. It was like it didn't matter. Well, they, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for people's pity. That's not the point. My point is, I watched these generous people come and saw how much of a blessing they were. It was such a blessing because they were generous to me and my family. Hallelujah. So what we see is that we're to be looking for this, these opportunities. This is to be our character. This is to be our character where I'm looking for opportunities. I'm always looking for a, a place to be a blessing. Always. Uh, people may know it. They may not know it. What I mean by that is somebody might see me do it. Somebody, people may not ever see me do it. But I'm always looking for a way to be generous. All right, why? Because I want to cultivate that fruit of the Spirit. See, we, we've got to understand that is there is sowing seed towards something, and then there's giving generously. When I sow a seed and I sow it specifically to something, I'm going to get the harvest of that thing, that need met, that home, that car, that whatever. But when I'm just generous, right, that's what Jesus talked about when he was saying, you give and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. God will cause men to give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it will be measured to you again. And what was he talking about in those verses in Luke chapter 6 beforehand? He was talking about being forgiving. He was talking about being kind. He was talking about being generous right with, and we'll read that in just a minute, with people that were your enemies and blessing them and lending to them and not expecting anything in return. He said that was generosity. That was being generous. Oh, hallelujah. Look at it here in Luke chapter 6. Because remember he said, just there to do good unto all men especially to them that are of the household of faith. But then over here in Luke 6, verse 35, it says, But love your enemies, do good and lend, uh, that would be to your enemies, hoping for nothing again or in return. And what will happen? Your reward will be great. And you will be the children of the highest. Now, if, if we just stopped right there, that would be wonderful. But notice what he says. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. He is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. So let's look what he says about our enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them and hope for nothing in return from them. Hmm. 
Now, see, you've got to be at peace to do that. To be that generous. Hallelujah. So we're to be generous to our fellow believers especially, but we're to be generous to those who are not believers as well. I've often told this story. When my daughter was going to college, she went to K-State in Manhattan, Kansas, and uh, my oldest daughter, and uh, she worked uh, at, a, at a restaurant there as a server while she was in college, and uh, one day, uh, two men came in, and they made it a, a very great point to make sure that, that people knew that they were ministers, and they were talking the Bible, and, and they were sharing scriptures uh, uh, over their lunch, and and not only were they doing that, they were, they were really working my daughter. They were asking for a lot of things and, and had her running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so finally they, they uh, asked for the check. They got the check and, and uh, they, they, uh, they, they got up to, to go pay. And she said, I, I walked back over to the table and she said, I saw a, like a, what looked like a $20 bill uh, under the plate, and you know, that would have been a, a large tip back then. And, um, uh, but she said when she reached down and grabbed it, it was actually a Christian track that looked like a $20 bill. Well, my daughter had been raised in church. She knew about salvation. I mean, my, my, my point is, is here are two ministers and they're there at the table, and they're ordering a lot, and they're doing a lot, and they're making it a point to talk about the things of God. But then when it comes time to tip the waitress, instead of being generous, they left nothing. You understand? Well, you know, that has an impression on people. See, what you desire for people to do to you, right? I, I grew up around ministers. They were always joking about this. They'd go to the restaurant or go somewhere, and they'd say, oh, is it preacher discount day? It's Friday, right? Preacher discount. Well, I, I don't know any of them that ever got a preacher discount, but notice that was their mindset. Give me something. Give me a break. Give me a discount. I didn't know any of them that were very generous. All right? Because generosity doesn't look to what it can get. Generosity looks for what it can give. That's so important. That's so important. I remember one time, uh, Pastor Michelle and I uh, were uh, at well, it would be one of her favorite restaurants in, in Kansas City. I like eating there too, but it's, uh, it's, it's a Mexican restaurant, and I have a, a more favorite Mexican restaurant in the area, but they're both good. And uh, so we were there uh, one Sunday after church. It wasn't too far from our home, and uh, uh, it was just she and I. Uh, uh, at, at that time, we, uh, we were the only ones at home, and uh, we were eating, and this girl, the girl that was serving us, came up, and uh, uh, of course, she was taking our orders and bringing our water and, and these different things. And uh, uh, in any event, uh, we were getting ready to go. And as we were getting ready to go, the Lord said to me, he said, uh, I want you to tip her $100. I want you to tip her $100. And I said, okay. And I told my wife, I said, the Lord just told me to tip her $100. And she said, okay. And uh, uh, so the girl came back, and, and uh, I, uh, uh, of course, gave her my card. And she went and ran the card and came back and, and uh, uh, gave me the, the, the ticket to sign and whatnot. Well, I signed the ticket, didn't, didn't put anything in the tip because I was going to give her $100 cash. And... Uh, so I, I got in my wallet and pulled out a $100 bill, and, and uh, when she came back, uh, I gave her the, the ticket, and then I gave her that $100. I said, and this is for you. I said, this, this is for you. I said, I know you may not understand that, but I believe the Lord wants me to give you that. And uh, 
she started weeping, just started crying. And she said, you'll never know what a hard day I've had. She said, I didn't think anybody cared. I'm going through a lot, and I didn't think anybody cared. And when she reached out to take that money from me, her sleeve pulled back, and I could see the fresh cut marks on her arms where she'd been hurting herself. And she said, I didn't think anybody cared about me, but now I know they do. Well, now, now think about that. I'm not just doing that to paint myself as a spiritual person. I'm saying, if we had not been generous, her day wouldn't have gotten any better. See, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And it doesn't have to be a uh, $100. $100 isn't a, a whole lot of money nowadays. But, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be $100. You know, it could be buying uh, uh, somebody's coffee. It could be uh, helping somebody on the side of the road. My, my point is, is when we start talking about generosity, it covers so much. I know Christian parents that are not generous with their children, and then they wonder why their children are, are the way they are. As, as parents, as Christian parents, Christian grandparents, we're supposed to be generous. I'm not talking about being frivolous, but we are the image of God to those children, and we need to be as much of a blessing as we can. What? We want to be generous. The Bible says be generous to all, especially of them that are of the household of faith. My child, my daughter, Liliana, she has a chore list. There are things she has to do every day, right? We don't just sit down on Mondays and give her what we call her commission check without her having done what she was supposed to do. She needs to put away her clothes. She needs to do her piano. She needs to take out the trash. She needs to clean the bathroom. She needs to clean her room. She needs to do these things, right? But when she, when she checks them off the list, we're generous, and you need to be generous because it's part of the character of Christ. Now notice, then Jesus says why we're supposed to do this. Because our Father in heaven is kind to the unthankful and the unholy. Now think about that. Now, in all honesty, how many times have you heard that verse preached on? Not a lot, probably. But if I'm developing the character of the Father and of Christ, then he said, my Father is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. So that needs to be my job. Be kind. Be generous. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, if we do this, we'll be acting like his children. So if I'm not generous, that must mean I'm not acting like his child. Now, what do you have to do and what do you have, where do you have to be to do this? You've got to be at peace. You've got to be at peace. Because you're doing it with no consideration of what you're going to get back. In other words, that's not the motive. I know I'm going to receive back because notice what he said. He said I would. Great would be your reward. But what's the reward for? Not the money as much as the generosity. It's the operation of the fruit. Oh, hallelujah. See, to do this, the development of these fruit are crucial to our assignment as a church. Because we need to be operating in these fruit toward one another, and we need to be operating in these fruit towards those outside of the church. Hallelujah. We don't want people coming into our church, and our people are aloof and standoffish and, and kind of, you know, we got our clique, and we know, it, we know these people, and who's this new person coming in? When that new person comes in, you want to be generous with your, your time. You want to be generous with your hug. You want to be generous with your handshake. You want to be, right? Why? Because that's what your father would do. That's important. Because, people, listen, people more than ever are looking for somewhere where they can belong. 
They're looking for somewhere where they're loved and where they're cared for. And when we begin to develop these fruit, it's crucial to the assignment we have as a church. A church with the character of the Father and Jesus operating in it will be a place of growth and victory because we have that character operating. Amen. And, and, and when someone new comes into our church and we make them the object of our affection, we make them the object of our time, we make them the object of, of, of our concern, right? I get to know them. I talk to them. Hallelujah. Well, they might not like to be hugged. That's okay. They'll get used to it. But I'm going to be generous with it. Look, I'm a hugging pastor. I'm a hugging pastor. I'll hug you at the drop of a hat and drop it myself. That's, that's just how I am. Why? Be because, listen, I, I know everybody, and, and I know the people in my churches that are not big huggers, and that's okay. They still get one. They don't have to reciprocate, but that's all right. But here, here's the point. I want to be generous. We want to be generous to people that come into our church. We want to, we want to show these fruit of the Spirit. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. You know, Pastor Michelle and I, of course, we've been uh, uh, in the full-time ministry in one place a long time, uh, but we, we've been in a lot of churches because, uh, you know, we always went to church, and, and uh, you know, we've been in churches where you would walk in, and you would sit down, and nobody would come talk to you. Nobody. I mean, they never even mention, you know, if there's any newcomers here or if we have any visitors. We'd like to say welcome. Nobody came over, and we kind of, we came in and left, and nobody talked to us. All right? Well, that, that church did not get our attendance again because they weren't very generous. Hallelujah. But then, you know, we went to churches where, you know, they'd shake your hand and good to have you and you'd fill out a piece of paper, but it didn't really go much farther beyond that. But man, then, then we went to a church, we went to Deeper Life Christian Ministries over in Grandview, Missouri, and, and we walked in, we, the, well, the first service we were there was on a, on a Wednesday night, and I was, I was trying to make sure nobody knew I was a preacher was what I was doing. But uh, uh, just, we'll tell that story another time, but some of you have heard it. But anyway, my point is, is uh, I mean, everybody shook your hand. Everybody hugged your neck. Everybody slapped you on the back. Everybody wanted to know your child's name. Well, it wasn't long. We're on the front row. Why? People were generous. They were generous. We were, we were learning some things and coming out of some things at that time. I can't tell you the times I went to that church and, and walked out with money that people had given me. I mean, $20, $50. One time, Pastor Morton who pastors the church, still pastors it today, he was uh, 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 about to close, and he said, well, I just feel led of the Lord to do this. He said, he said, Brother Philip, come up here and help me. And I went up, and he goes, you know, hold this offering container. And I was holding it, and he said, uh, the Lord told me that, uh, you know, there's a need here tonight. And he said, uh, how many would help me uh, in meeting this need? And, and he put, I think he put $100 in the, in, the, in the container. And people just started coming, I say, from all over that church. And only seated about 75 or 80 then. But they, 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 the, the 75 or 80 that were there came and filled that bucket up. And uh, he looked at me and said, that's for you tonight. He said, the Lord, I, I believe the Lord would have you to have that tonight. And it met the need. We, were, we had a need, and it met it. Those people's generosity. Hallelujah. I remember one night, uh, 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 I needed gas in my car bad. Not just I need, not just it was above E. It was below E. It was below. I mean, I had, I had left from home below E. And by the time I got to church, 
You know, they say when it hits E, you got about 25 miles. Whoo, I must have been running on fumes. And I'll tell you how low it was in just a moment. And, uh, and I was there at church, and, and we got through church, and boy, pastor had preached a masterful message, and, uh, and I was walking out, visiting with all those generous people, right? And I'm about to the door, and I hear a voice behind me, Brother Philip, Brother Philip. And I turned around, and it's Lance Alexander, uh, uh, one of the elders of the church that went there. And uh, he said, I meant to give this to you before church, but I couldn't, I, 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 I didn't get a chance to talk to you. He said, here you go, brother. And he gave me a $20 bill. Now, remember, this is 96. So $20 will pretty much fill your tank up in 96. All right? And uh, so here's the thing. I said, brother, thank you. Praise God. And he hugged me. I hugged him back. What, what am I talking about? Generosity. I put that money in my pocket. I went and told my wife. I said, uh, Brother Lance gave us some money. We're going to drive down here to QT, quick trip, and get some fuel. Well, fuel. Well, she was rejoicing. And I think the kids were even rejoicing. Well, we pulled out of the, the, the church there. It's on Blue Ridge Boulevard there in uh, Independence. Many of you have been over there with us. And uh, in any event, uh, uh, we, we were coming up uh, Blue Ridge, and we got to the top of the hill there on Blue Ridge and ran out of gas. <laughs> But I ran out of gas at the top of the hill, and I coasted down the other side. I coasted all the way down, and, and, and there's a railroad bridge right there that crosses over uh, Blue Ridge Boulevard right there. Uh, QT used to be just under that bridge to the left, and now it's across the street. There's another thing in where QT used to be. But I pulled over the side of the road, happened to have a jug in the back, took the jug over, Got enough gas to get us started and pull us to QT, filled the tank up. Now, but think about this. You know, people say, boy, aren't you glad you went to church? Yes, I am, but I'm also glad there was somebody generous there. What if he hadn't been generous? What if somebody hadn't been generous? You know, it's not just the money. I still talk about Lance Alexander today because of that one incident. I don't even know where he's at. Last I heard, he was pastoring in Louisiana. I don't even know if he's still there. But when we both get to heaven, I'm still going to say, Lance, thank you for that $20. Can, you got time for one more? I was a, a, a young Christian, young minister, probably 18, and I was uh, living in Amarillo, Texas, helping out at a church called uh, a Greater Faith Tabernacle. It was at 101 South Jefferson in Amarillo, Texas, uh, Pastor Michael Weatherly. And uh, I was there, and when I say helping, I was, I was helping as he would let me, and I felt led that I should be there. And uh, me and some other young men were living in the old parsonage of the church, and we were kind of struggling. We were struggling mightily. And uh, there was a brother that was one of the elders of the church, and I've lost track of his name but I can still see him, a uh, tall uh, African-American young man, uh, wore glasses. Uh, him and his wife had not been married very long. And if I remember correctly, they, they either had a young child or they were expecting a child. I don't remember. But uh, he was always so kind to me and always so good to me and always so wonderful. And um, one day, one night, he, uh, one day, actually, he came by. He worked for the city. He came by and he said, hey, after church tonight, he said, uh, uh, would you uh, be willing to come to our house? He said, my wife and I would like to have you over for dinner and just have you spend the night with us and uh, just, you know, so we can fellowship and, and enjoy the Lord. I said, well, yeah. And so after church, uh, 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 I rode with them uh, over to where uh, they lived and we had dinner and we just fellowshiped and they let me stay with them that night. And, you know, sleeping in the air, there wasn't no air conditioning in the old parsonage, sleeping in the air conditioning and, and, you know, uh, just go in the refrigerator, get whatever you want. I didn't because I wasn't raised that way. But my point is, then in the morning when we got up, 
Uh, I drove with him on some errands, and, and he talked to me about some of the things of the Lord, and he encouraged me and, and really uh, and, you know, inspired me and pumped me up, if you will, uh, because he could see that I was facing some challenges. Well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to seek him out too and say, I sure appreciated that dinner. I sure appreciated that night because, because I didn't give up because of your generosity, the fruit of the Spirit operating in their life. And you know, it, it, it wasn't any big thing to them. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of money involved. It didn't cost them a lot, but they were just generous. They were just generous. And I'm glad they were. I'm glad they were. I'm still serving the Lord today. Hallelujah. So God is good to us. And he will continue to be good to us. In the name of Jesus. We'll stand on your feet tonight, would you?